welcome to the new Through the Gears podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bruno, and I'll be taking you through everything in the, going on in the motorsporting world, from two wheels to four, from tarmac to dirt. And we will start things off here with the NASCAR Cup Series weekend that took place at Daytona. And from qualifying through the duels, through down towards the race, it was a very good weekend for the sport of stock car racing and as much as I would love to cover the truck series race on Friday unfortunately being Canadian I did not have access to it which unfortunate however we will be taking you through the qualifying duels and then the Xfinity series beef it's what for dinner 300 and then the Daytona 500 so we'll start things off with the duels and qualifying in the duels. Not too much to say. You had a Hendrick uh, Hendrick lockout for what would seem like the tenth year in the row. Alex Bowman on the front row for what was, the, what was the seventh consecutive year, sixth or seventh consecutive year. And then going into the duels, you had Joey Logano winning the first one and Eric Almarola winning the second one. Setting up a kind of interesting front uh, front two rows of Bowman, Larson, Logano, and Amarola. Then we get into Xfinity Series race. And with the likes of Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson moving on up to the Cup Series, there's a bit of a, let's say, power vacuum in the Xfinity Series. And there are a lot of guys that can make a name for themselves heading forth in this to this 2023 season. And there's a lot more guys that have a shot at the title than before. With also different roster moves, with the big one being Brandon Jones heading over to Junior Motorsports. Shaping up, it's shaping up to be a very good season for the Xfinity Series. And the beef, it's what's for dinner 300, gave a very, very good opening picture into what kind of season this could be. Now, first couple stages of the race, first two stages were, there was some aggression, but it wasn't super crazy. Typical Affinity Series racing, a lot of aggression, a lot of action, guys moving around up and down through the field. And then we got to probably the third stage where things started to ramp up and racing started to get a bit messy. You had the likes of Parker Kligerman and um, Jer- uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt getting getting together, giving Jeffrey a flat. There was multiple different wrecks and, you know, kind of typical Xfinity Series super speedway racing in a sense. But there was one guy that really kind of showed his prowess throughout of all of this, and it was Austin Hill. He's already shown himself to be a very, very, very competent super speedway racer. Couple that with the fact that his 21 Chevrolet was super quick. Incredibly quick. This thing was fast. Even at the beginning of the race, he had radio issues and had to fall to the back of the field. He was able to climb up back through the field in no time, get back to the front, get back towards um, those chances to win the race. And 
ultimately, he was able to put himself ahead at the time of the final caution, which was another insane wreck on the backstretch at Daytona. Uh, second year in a row now that you've had a wild finish, a close finish, in a wild wreck on the backstretch at Daytona. And this year was Sam Mayer who went for a bit of a flip on the back straightaway trying to fight for the win. Thankfully he was okay, but it kind of was, that incident was kind of like the encapsulation of the collapse of Junior Motorsports. And Junior Motorsports basically going into overtime and in towards the last five laps of the race basically had all four of their cars in position to win. The four Junior Motorsports cars of Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, Brandon Jones, and Sam Mayer were all in position to basically take this win. And then you had Josh Berry wrecking Brandon Jones after a couple of aggressive moves. Then under caution, Josh Berry runs out of um, runs out of gas. And then during the second overtime, Sam Mayer wrecks on the backstretch, as I mentioned before, leaving Justin Allgaier as one of the only people to finish in the top five when they had all four cars in the top five and top ten going into the final sequence of events. And I think that's one of those things where Dale Earnhardt Jr. has got to go to these guys be like, look, I know you guys want to all look for the win, but got to work a little bit better together. And I understand it can be um, no holds barred anybody for themselves, but two of our four cars wrecking and one running out of gas within the last five laps of the race, basically, is not good. It's not good at all. So, kind of rein that back a little bit for the next super speedway race in Atlanta. But, for the most part, all four junior motorsports guys were running well up until that point. And so... Junior Motorsport really did kind of fluff it there, and I would not be surprised if, as I mentioned, Junior goes over, talks to these guys, talks to the team, make sure that they're able to kind of clean that up before we get to the next Super Speedway in Atlanta. Now, honorable mention for today's race, I know we talked about Austin Hill doing really well, but John Hunter Nemechek putting himself up in second place in his basically his full-time return to the Xfinity series is absolutely amazing for him and I think it helps further build his stock on the under the Toyota camp as a future Cup Series prospect. He's already done a lot in the truck series and it's a good start for him to be able to continue that here in the Xfinity series to be able to continue to build that resume and show that yeah what he was doing in trucks wasn't just you know, oh, it's the truck series. He can get it done at a higher level and hopefully put himself in a position to get one of those Toyota seats up in the Cup Series for the next few years because Joe Gibbs Racing doesn't really have much left in terms of years when it comes to the likes of Martin Truex Jr. and Denny Hamlin. So now we move on to the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. And my thoughts on the entire race as a whole, before we start getting into the nitty-gritty of things, is that it was high-quality super speedway racing, kind of old-school in nature, long green flag runs. Really, there were only three cautions for cause, 
before we got to towards the end of the race with 10 or 5 to go. And it put a lot of stock into how you executed your pit stops, how you put yourself into position. And these long green flag runs really set the stage for a good finish. And it kind of showed that sticking with your partners and being able to keep into the draft and manage your fuel and your tires and whatnot throughout these long runs was important. And it put the likes of Kyle Busch, the likes of Joey Logano, and it had the RFK guys in great positions to win this race, um, win this race coming towards the end. In the end, though, it was... Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and JTG Doherty that was able to pull out the win for the Daytona 500, which, to be honest, is very NASCAR in nature, in nature that a single-car team was able to come through with the victory at the Great American Race. And it was really awesome to see and kind of proves why Ricky Stenhouse Jr. still has a job in NASCAR because... When it comes to super speedway racing, he's always there. He had a chance to win the 500 last year. He's always putting himself in the top 10, top 5, and putting himself in good position for good finishes and wins when it comes to these super speedway races. So it's great to see him finally get one after, what, 6 years? So it's great for him, it's great for the team. And ultimately, as much as many people may see it as a bit of a crapshoot, the super speedway races... And they can be a bit wreck-fest. It's great for the sport to have some of the smaller teams come out with victories or come out with great finishes. Now, before we get to the overtime, there was one thing that really caught my eye. And that was the performance of Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. RFK has taken their momentum from last year towards the end in the playoffs. And they have made what looks to be the pretty big jump between Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher and basically their old school late 2000s, 2010s um, tandem drafting style where the two of them were just hooking up and taking off and basically putting themselves in position where it's like, okay, they're managing their gaps well, generating a lot of speed just between the two of them and then using basically the rest of the pack as a springboard to keep themselves ahead. And that was great to see, and I hope that this translates to more tracks and more racing styles in the future for RFK. And I really hope that they can continue to build off of this. Now, there was some discussion towards the end of the race and how people said they would have loved to see them race back to the line and I do agree and I and as much as I understand that racing back not racing back to the line is both a safety and kind of driver control kind of thing I do get that I do think there needs to be a little bit of a tweak in the rules in that sense because as for myself, I started racing, watching NASCAR just at the end of the racing back to the line era, where it was basically, yeah, we raced back to the line, but there was like a gentleman's agreement that you wouldn't really make any overtakes 
for under caution or racing back to the line. It was just like, okay, if you guys are battling out for the win or something, yeah, sure, race back to the line. But it's kind of like a general, a general gentleman's agreement, general consensus that it's just, okay, hold position, those kinds of things. And then things started getting fishy in 2002, early 2003, and that's where NASCAR inter- um, implemented the freezing the field midway through the 2003 season. Nick Yeoman of PRN Live on Twitter put forth a very interesting suggestion that there be basically two finish lines on super speedways. One on the backstretch and then the original one. And so if the accident happens in one and two, you race to the backstretch line. And if it happens in three or four, you race back to the original line. And I feel like that can be that is that can be a great solution to super speedway finishes. And I feel like that can be something that can be written into the whole caution rule where there's the exception in overtime where alright, we have that backstretch line or we have a timing line on the backstretch where all the drivers know where it is and should there an accident take place behind the field that's racing to the green that's racing for the win so let's say there's wreck in like 10th and everybody in front of 10th place is fine and you can race back for the win towards that, either the timing line or the start-finish line. And I get why freezing the field happens, but I think that rule can be tweaked a little bit. So, getting the racing back to the line, especially at super speedways, would be kind of cool, but I doubt we're going to start seeing something like that um, come into play at all, to be honest. But it would be a nice change, and we might be able to get some better finishes instead of, oh, the field is frozen and NASCAR has to look, all right, who was ahead at the time of caution? feels very anticlimactic. Now, the, now they move on ahead to Auto Club Speedway, intermediate, mile-and-a-half track. That will be seeing its final race in its current configuration before it gets changed into a short track. And it's a bit disappointing considering the fact that the new generation of cars, the Gen 7s, have seemed to revitalize and breathe new life into intermediate racetracks. And so as we get that, Auto Club is now moving to a short track, which seems like the um, newer cars don't really seem to do as well at. Um, But hopefully we can get a great final send-off at Auto Club Speedway for the mile and a half, uh, for the mile and a half layout, and... Hopefully, we can see the likes of RFK continue to build and other teams like 2311 and some of the members of Joe Gibbs and Hendrick being able to bounce back from either poor finishes or getting involved in wrecks and whatnot at Daytona. 
before we close things off, just one more note that Formula One preseason testing will be beginning this weekend in Bahrain, and we'll finally be able to kind of get a hmm, rough, very rough idea of the F1 pecking order, who's strong, who's weak, what kind of areas that certain teams are stronger in, and who has improved and who has regressed going into the 2023 season. Now, with all that being said, thank you so much for listening, guys. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. My name is Anthony Bruno, and thank you for tuning in to the Through the, Year Gear, Through the Gears podcast.